Why, hello. I'm Natalie Zett, and welcome to Flower in the River. Flower in the River is a podcast about a book I wrote of the same name. And that book is about the Eastland disaster that took place in 1915 in Chicago and how that long-ago tragedy affected my family for generations. I'll talk about writing and family history and what to do when the supernatural comes into your life when you're innocently doing a family history research project. Come on and let's have some fun with this. Stories may remain untold, but they are hardly lost, only misplaced for a time. The blood travels like a river through the body, and it remembers. It always remembers. Why, hello again, and welcome to Episode 2 of Flower in the River podcast, where I'm going to begin discussing the first chapter, which is entitled A Family Tale Untold. And this scene opens right away on the worst day of this family's life. This family would be the fictional reconstruction of my actual family, my maternal grandmother's family. So while this is a fictional reconstruction because I've been around for a while, but I wasn't there in 1915, when the Eastland disaster happened. What I did to create this scene was take the stories that I heard from older relatives who had also heard the stories and then cobble those together based on what I knew about the incident. So everything in this book is actually based on fact, but the exchanges, the comings and goings, the conversations and everything else that took place are products of those stories mixed and mixed again with my imagination. So that's why I called this fiction, but it's kind of fiction light, fact heavy. And this is the longest chapter in this book, and it's actually compiled of a bunch of subchapters, and that's what I'll base these various podcasts on. Now, if you're joining me after listening to the first episode of this podcast, you'll be happy to know that I finally did graduate from second or third grade, whatever that was, and reached so-called adulthood. Here we are. And back to our topic. You may wonder, what's with that title, A Family Tale Untold? I could have said not told, but untold sounded more poetic. So I'll tell you about the title. In a sense, my story, like everyone's story, is not unique because so many of our family stories just end up getting lost as the years go by. Sometimes they get found, or sometimes you find one and you want to bury it under a rock again and hope no one else finds it, but, well, that's another story for another time. But this family story, this particular family story, is over the top because it didn't just affect my family and it wasn't just my family that seemed to forget about it, but the entire world, at least for a while, seemed to have forgotten that in 1915, the Western Electric Company chartered several ships for their annual company picnic. And one of those ships, the Eastland, 
capsized, while still moored in the Chicago River, I repeat, it was still tied to the pier, I guess you could say, there in downtown Chicago. If you're a Chicagoan, it's between Clark and LaSalle, near Wacker Drive. But if you're not a Chicagoan, just picture any big urban area and having a catastrophe like this happened back in 1915. Shipping disasters usually take place out on the ocean or the Great Lakes. Think Titanic or Edmund Fitzgerald. Not in downtown Chicago or in downtown any place. The Eastland was one of several ships, big steamers, that were chartered for Western Electric's annual company picnic in 1915. I'll talk a little bit more later about the Western Electric Company, but this annual picnic was the social event of the year. It was such a big deal because so many people worked for Western Electric. And if you worked for Western Electric at that time, most likely you were an Eastern or Central European immigrant or a Southern Italian immigrant or a child or a grandchild of one of those immigrants. I repeat this over and over again because it's very important to remember that we are a nation of immigrants. And most of the time when you're that first group of immigrants arriving in any new country, it can be very rough going to get your footing. And oftentimes it takes a couple generations to establish yourself in any country that you immigrate to. Although I'm generalizing somewhat, this is pretty much the population that made up the workers for Western Electric, and they made up most of the 2,500 people who waited in line and boarded the Eastland on that fateful July morning. All of these people lined up to get on the first ship, the Eastland, which was supposed to be the speed queen of the Great Lakes. It was beautiful it was elegant. It was top-heavy. It was made more unstable because of all the lifeboats that had been added to it because of the Titanic, which happened just three years prior. And someone in their infinite wisdom decided to use concrete to fill in the rotting parts of the deck. Yes, you heard that right, too. Concrete. What could go wrong? So the Eastland was launched in October 1902, and from its maiden voyage onward, and that would be actually July 16, 1903, the lovely Speed Queen of the Great Lakes, as the Eastland was called, had a lot of problems. She was built for speed. She was built for races. She was built to carry passengers across the Great Lakes. However, the ship was already built like an inverted triangle, and they kept modifying the ship to make it go faster and faster. And there were, again, noted listing problems before July 24, 1915. No one is sure how this thing passed federal inspection with all of its problems, but it did, and then there we were on July 24, 1915. And after the disaster, of course, there was plenty of blame to go around. There were trials and all sorts of fallout after this. 
But I digress, and I want to get back to the curious collective amnesia that surrounds this event. To do that, come along with me and let's explore the accounts of what happened. The Eastland was the first ship moored at the pier and about 2,500 boarded her. Once they got on board, the ship began listing from side to side. And if you want to see a beautiful but very poignant reenactment of this event, I'll leave a link to Chicago Stories, The Eastland Disaster, PBS, in the show notes. So there were 2,500 approximately aboard. The thing was listing. It started raining. A lot of people went below deck. And it didn't take long before it rolled over. Someone said it was very slow, like an egg boiling in water. It rolled over on its side. In addition to those who were aboard the Eastland, there were also hundreds of people who came to say goodbye to their family and other loved ones as they made their way on this ship, and they didn't know that it was the final goodbye. So there were a ton of witnesses to this event. There was also a professional photographer there to photograph the big corporate event. This was a Japanese-American photographer named Jun Fujita, and he took some of the most beautiful, timeless photos of everything that happened. So, even back in 1915, it wasn't as if there was no evidence of what happened. And guess what? Just a few years ago, someone located footage of the Eastland Disaster Rescue. It's actually about a minute long, and I will leave a link in the show notes to the video so you can see it. Somehow, the footage ended up in a vault in Amsterdam. Not sure how that happened. But my point is, there was a lot of evidence, there were a lot of witnesses, even if they're all dead now. People knew what happened. So why was the Eastland forgotten? Throughout the years, I've gathered all kinds of writings that try to explain why the Eastland disaster was forgotten. One reason that is often thrown out there as to why the Eastland was forgotten is the United States' involvement in World War I. That, to me, is a bit of a logical leap, but again, somebody else might see it differently. Some have also written that the sinking of the Lusitania in May 1915 was also one of the reasons why the Eastland is obscured. Maybe because they're both maritime disasters, this could be, but I'm not convinced of that either. For me, as a descendant of the tragedy, if you will, one explanation that does make sense for the relative obscurity of the Eastland disaster is that it did not fit neatly into the narrative of heroic rescue and survival that characterized some of these other maritime disasters. And again, most of the victims were working-class immigrants and their families, and the tragedy was seen by some as a reflection of the poor safety standards and working conditions of the time. And as a result, there may have been less interest in publicizing this tragedy. 
and commemorating its victims. That last explanation resonates the most with me as to being a plausible explanation as for why the Eastland was forgotten. Regardless, this was not supposed to happen. This was the annual company picnic for Western Electric, where all of these people were supposed to go across beautiful Lake Michigan. And if you've ever done that trip, it is quite lovely. And their destination was Michigan City, Indiana, where they had and probably still have these beautiful sand dunes. And I almost forgot to mention the amusement park that was built in Washington Park. And that was also part of the picnic fun that was supposed to happen on that day. And I should mention for those who are not from the United States, I know the names are kind of confusing, but Michigan City is in the state of Indiana. But back to the sad story of the Eastland. So the ship rolled over and flung all these people in the water, not all of them, and a lot were both crushed and drowned or drowned and crushed because they went below deck, and they went below deck because it was also raining that day. And even after all this time, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around the pandemonium that must have occurred after this event. And among those 2,500 passengers on the Eastland, 844 of them were killed that day. And one of those people was my grandmother's younger sister, Martha Pfeiffer, who was just 19 years old. Think about that. Are you 19 years old yet? Do you have children or grandchildren who are that age? Or do you remember yourself at that age at all? A lot of people who lost their lives that day were around that age, and the majority of them were women, a lot of young women, not to mention 22 entire families also died on the Eastland. How do you lose a story like that? Really, how does that happen? Here's another quote from my book. How could the city of broad shoulders fail to hold the 844 lost lives? This is a reference to the poet Carl Sandburg who actually referred to Chicago as the city of big shoulders. But I decided for this book to make it broad shoulders just for effect. And so, my dear audience, there's a lot of history in this opening chapter, and I decided to do us all a favor and break it up into several episodes. And this will help with the mental digestion part of this, because History is a lot to take in, and I like it in small portions. I don't know about you. So we'll continue picking this up again in the next episode, where I'll discuss the history of Western Electric, a.k.a. the Hawthorne Works, because you really need to get a background for this to understand why the Eastland disaster of 1915 happened the way it happened and then got lost. So join me again real soon. Hey, that's it for this episode, and thanks for coming along for the ride. Please subscribe or follow so you can keep up with all the episodes. 
For more information, please go to my website. That's www.floweritheriver.com and I'll have that and more information in the show notes. I hope you consider buying my book because I owe people money and I'm just kidding about that. But the one thing I'm not kidding about is that this podcast and my book are dedicated to the memory of the 844 who died on the Eastland. Goodbye for now.